Welcome to Finding My Yum, a sex-positive podcast celebrating all forms of sexual expression. Each week, we bring on a new guest to share their journey. We talk honestly and openly about what they're into and what sex, kinks, love, and more look like in the real world. I'm Jerry Courtney Austin. And I'm Will Lentz. And we are your hosts. And today, we are thrilled to have Kirsten Ooten here from Sexy Sex Ed Education uh, to talk all about education in the Appalachia region and all of her awesome work um and along with that well you're the person who found this lovely uh woman and organization uh because they're from in the region where you currently are and where you grew up right yeah exactly um yeah i was you know i i as you said i'm here now right and yeah i think a thing that's always stood out to me and it's not everybody but when I tell people that I'm from Kentucky and I'm not in this in this general area, like if I'm in Los Angeles or whatever, there's a lot of misconceptions about what the South is really like. There's a lot of assumption that there is a monoculture here where it is the stereotype that you're used to seeing. It is the rednecks. There's no uh, representation anywhere around. And it's just all MAGA, MAGA toting flag carrying people with their guns. And yeah. don't get me wrong, it doesn't come from nothing. But <laughs> sure. but there's a lot more nuance to it than that. And and there's a lot of people out there that are doing good work. And Sexy Sex Ed is one of those organizations. Um, they are trying to bring uh, sex ed to places where that may not always be the first topic of conversations that people want to have. And um, and I just wanted to highlight that. I think it's it's really cool that they're doing that work there, too. And I think it can be... I think in a time when we're all very divided, it can be nice to hear that there are struggles and there are there's progress going on all over the place. So I was excited to connect them with you. And uh, and honestly, I'm pretty excited with kind of the turnout of the episode in the interview. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we had some audio issues as come up with these Zoom interviews. You know, technology yeah. is amazing and also challenging simultaneously. But um, I was so excited to be able to speak to somebody who is in the area that you're from and to, to talk about, you know, specifically in this region, which like truthfully, I had no idea where Appalachia was um, and, and sort of what it represented. And this organization is really the only place in a couple of these in these states um namely like west virginia and i think parts of kentucky eastern um, kentucky yeah eastern kentucky yeah that you know are dealing with sex education lgbtqia resources um you know they're giving out condoms during the pandemic and and um little boxes of of different things that can help people like sanitary napkins and stuff like that and so um yeah it's exciting it it i think you know we can see such a division between red and blue states and between the country and it's nice to know that there are pockets of people of people everywhere who are who are doing this work and are creating these communities to foster more conversation and and to push that needle like a little a little bit and I think Kirsten is really cool because she found a community similar to Sexy Sex Ed when she was younger that really impacted her. And then that furthered her to move into this work and to help others. Um, and she's a really big resource and a really big role model for a lot of a lot of kids. So I yeah, I just think it's awesome. And I'm really excited to share. Uh, yeah, please forgive some of the audio issues. You know what? 
it's COVID and we're doing the best we can. Um, but we love you and we're, we're super excited. So enjoy. Yay! Welcome to Finding My Yum. I'm so excited. Today I'm here with Kirsten Uten. Uh, they're an educator um, and they are an affiliate with Sexy Sex Ed, uh, which is a organization that works to bring sex education and awareness in Appalachia. Uh, she's from Southern West Virginia and um, she's a part of the VISTA program as well. Thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's so nice to meet you. Um, I realized before we got on this uh, recording that I didn't ask for your pronouns. So what pronouns do you use? Um, she, her. Okay, cool. Um, I am also she, her, but I realized I try to remember that every single time. And then I was like, oh, no. Um, perfect. So let's just dive in. Um, you know, I think we... We've talked previously on this show to um, a sex educator, specifically sex educator who is in Georgia. And it was fascinating because she was um, really working with church communities there and more conservative communities. And I think I think this is such an interesting task um, and question because a lot of the country doesn't reflect the coast where I am currently located uh, and the conversations are very very different so I'd love to hear a little bit about your background um, and and how you came to even working in the capacity that you do um so whenever I was still in school I was affiliated with a nonprofit that I currently work for now um they hired me as an independent contractor to open or to start a project called Club Q, which is a program that um, just supports queer Appalachian youth. Um, and from that, I started talking to a few organizers that I knew were doing some amazing things here in Appalachia. And we started a steering committee. And then um, we started reaching out to youth inside schools, going um through their counselors and social workers. We work with a lot of um, youth that have been in and out of juvenile detention centers. We work with um, folks to help them get gift cards for food, period products, hygiene products. Um, I've personally, and I know a few other people have personally taken things to you know, um, people's houses during the pandemic just to help them out. Um, but yeah, Club Q is, we're working on some really cool things. And apart from that, which is what 66 Ed is helping me with now, um, I've done a period job back in, I think, January. And that, that was supposed to be sent home with like my students that I work with on a daily basis. But when schools were shut down, we decided to get a larger grant for that. But we were just basically the um, part, but then we got a another grant um, in order to stand build with hygiene products, including pads, tampons, um, wipes. We would give them gas cards, gift cards to Kroger and other grocery stores. Um, yeah, and that's basically what I'm working on now with 66 Ed. 
they help me promote a lot. They basically they're like my lifeline right now, <laughs> so, and I Amazing. am helping them too. Um. Okay, so I, I want to go back and just cover a couple things, um, and, and you cut out just a little bit when you were talking about the period drive, so I'd like to go back and review that, but before we do that, um, so first of all, what was the committee called that you were working on? Uh, I think I only heard the committee part. It was, I created a steering committee for Club Q. Steering? Some, uh, it's a steering committee, yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, I, I don't think I'm familiar with the term steering. What does, I guess, what does it mean in, in this way? Or maybe I'm just being a moron. I don't know. Um, no, no, no. Um, it just, it's a team of people that will help steer the direction of the um, group. So Club Q, they will okay. help. So I'm not doing it all on my own. I'm having got it, got it, got it. folks around Appalachia. Okay, and then before we move further, I'd love to define what Appalachia is because I, I have to be honest, I didn't even realize what the region was, and I know that it's changed. And so it, do you have information or, or you know, what what does Appalachia mean to you? What What is the region? Oh, that is a very, it's a very broad question, and it's also something that, that I is. myself on like a daily basis. Okay, <laughs> perfect. Um, but I spent a lot of my life not wanting, wanting to, because it, when I looked around, I just seen, you know, sadness and lost hope. And I finally got old enough. When Finally, when I got into high school, I started realizing to see change happening around me. I had to start doing it myself people start educating people and that's when I got involved with a not a political group but a, um, a leadership group led by a um, the nonprofit that I work for now 16 so I've been with them for a long time um yeah when I joined that group it eventually got banned um, um, from my school, but uh, it completely changed my mindset on Appalachia. Um, but yeah, Appalachia is one of the most sacred places that I can think of. Um, we, I don't really know how to put in the terms. Have you ever visited Appalachia? No, I don't think so. I was just going to go over sort of the region because I know that it's changed. But it includes parts of Kentucky, Virginia, uh, Pennsylvania. It's almost like the the adjacent countries to what we would necessarily consider like the the coastal southern country or countries. What am I saying? States, correct? Yeah. Okay. And West Virginia is the only state that is completely Appalachian. Oh, okay. And but and so when you say that term, what does that mean? Is that is that a mountain range? It's a trail, right? It's a trail. It's mountains, the trails. I mean, okay. it's just everything. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'm I'm hoping to go on a cross country trip, and and I realize I know more. I feel like geographically about 
the rest of the world than I do even of the United States, to be totally honest. So, um, you know, as a person who grew up in the Southwest and now lives on the West Coast, like all of this is new information to me. So I appreciate you you sharing. Um, okay, so it follows sort of a, a, a mountain range within within a distance from it. And then so West Virginia is the only place that's fully Appalachia, which means that what do, what does that mean? It means um, Appalachia come to West Virginia because I feel like this is where you're going to get the most Appalachian love, Appalachian food, Appalachian experience. And what is Appalachian food? Oh my gosh, it's soul food. Um, okay. Beans, cornbread, mashed potatoes, um, all the goods, all the works. Okay, cool. Um, thank you for for sharing about that. So then, is there, you know, my impression of the of the South is that in general it's very religious. Um, there is a, a a heavy Christian majority. It's it's fairly conservative in its thinking, particularly around sex, particularly around uh, you know heterosexual, homosexual relationships, even the ideas of gender concepts, sexuality. Um, is that your experience growing up in Southern West Virginia? Um, and your greater experience as you've worked with other youth within the region? Um, yeah, you pretty much hit it spot on. We, not myself, but this area is very conservative. Um, we are in the Bible Belt here. So in my town um, of Kermit, we have a population of about 300, 350. And we have okay. around 15 churches in the area. So we are very <laughs> religious down this way yeah very faithful um but i have learned i think what sets appalachia different especially this um area different than other bible belts and other religious places we have a lot of hospitality um especially me i grew up methodist um which is like the liberal Christian religion. <laughs> um, okay. And we, I always grew up being taught acceptance and loving thy neighbor and things like that. But there are a lot of um, other churches and a lot of other people that don't teach the same way um, out of outside of my town. Um, but my first time ever meeting Tanya who started Sexy Sex Ed and my first time ever attending a workshop was in a church basement. Um, so we haven't had that much backlash um, when it comes to Sexy Sex Ed. There have been some parents just not want to um, bring their kids because it's made for all ages um, but targeted towards folks who are just um, starting puberty to find out about things. And we want to try to help teach them as much as we can because we know that, especially in this region, our sex ed classes are not adequate at all. Um, so we have made it our mission to just help in any way that we can. 
And so when you say not adequate, um, is it primarily abstinence-based sex education? Is there anatomical, an STI, as like, uh, that's what I learned? Or is there not much of anything being discussed at all? Um, for me, actually, my sex education while I was in school was decent. Um, but for other folks that I've spoken to and the schools that I currently work at, they don't even offer sex education. Um, and I know a lot of um, sex ed classes do just promote abstinence and um, they don't ever talk about like queer sex and periods and pleasure and anything that needs to be talked about. They just talk, wear a condom, don't get pregnant. <laughs> Got it. Um, yeah, a lot of like penis and vagina sex also, which I feel like is so, so limiting. Um, okay, so then your approach and what and what drew you to to this field, uh, I think we sort of touched on this, but I'd love to talk a little bit more about, you know, uh, your participation and, and, and what made you want to become an educator in this in this way? Um, for me, I grew up not really fitting the narrative of somebody that lives here, um, which is what, part of the reason why I wanted to leave. I didn't feel like I fit like I fit in with my peers, with my family, with my community. Um, I didn't even label anybody here as part of my community at that time. And then when I reached um, high school, I finally got into a group of people that weren't anti-Appalachia. They were pro-Appalachia? You just cut out a little bit. They were pro-Appalachia? Okay. Yeah. Um, I got involved with STAY, which is Stay Together Appalachian Youth. Um, and that's what, that's actually where Sexy Six Ed stemmed from. Um, Tanya was asked to lead a sexy sex ed workshop at one of their events, and it took off from there. Um, but Stay Together Appalachian Youth has absolutely changed my mind about everything. Um, it's been such an amazing resource, um, and the people that perish forever. Um, but yeah, they showed me that I don't have to get like the basic narrative of, and the stereotypes of my community. And and how did they do that? What was the conversation surrounding the group? Like what was the kind of support that they were offering? They offered me support anywhere from emotional support, emotional support, um, financial support to host events in my community. Um, we have group chats upon group chats full of folks. Like, I mean, this morning I woke up and I was anxiety ridden about work and I messaged them and I was like, guys, how do I go about this? And it was just like, I was flooded with so much support at that moment. And I think it's, it's not even the support that they give me. It's also just knowing that someone else is going through the same thing that I do, have the same thoughts that I do. Um, and now I work with students and I'm trying to, I can, I hear students 
in West Virginia and leave Appalachia. And some people, I mean, it's best for them to do that just for their own growth. But I try my best to talk to my students and other folks around me and tell them, just remind them how special Appalachia is and how sacred it is here. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think it when people stay in their community and enhance it and bring new life and new perspective and new openness, you know, it can really transform a place entirely, which it sounds like this group and Sexy Sex Ed is doing across the entire region, which is which is pretty amazing. Um, uh, so I'd love to dive in a little bit to, to Club Q. Um so particularly, is that an offshoot of uh, Stay? Um, how, how did that come about? Club Q um, is actually inspired by Stay. Stay is a much larger group, which includes hundreds of folks from around the region. Um, but Club Q is targeting school-aged um, queer youth. So ages... 13 to 18 mostly um and we're we're a lot smaller than say so we can actually like we have one-on-one meetings with students we can actually work with them um before covid we could work with them like in in their homes um take them out to lunch and have meetings and things like that uh whereas they um is much larger and they have a couple of events each year but doesn't we don't really get to see each other that often um but yeah basically club q is just a smaller version of say that is more hands-on i would say and so was there support or visibility for lgbtqia persons previous to club q um or is this a pretty novel group that's that's creating something very new within the region? I've never heard of a pro-queer group in my community in my entire life. Say is Appalachian-based. Club Q is West Virginia and Kentucky-based. Um, so we just work in those areas, Eastern Kentucky and Southern West Virginia. Um but yeah, Club Q is a new thing. I definitely um, received backlash on that when I started promoting the group from um, people in my community and elsewhere. Um, they weren't welcoming at first. And I've heard of a few groups in high schools trying to um, create GSAs, which is Gay Show Alliance. Um, and get completely turned down, even though it's illegal to turn down a gay show alliance group. Um, That's why I think Club Q is so fundamental to this area, because it's one of the only things that we have. Yeah, so how did you, I'm just curious how you moved through that kind of backlash and, and begin to open a dialogue in an area and, and, in an environment that I imagine is is just very rigid. 
and there's not even space for you know it's not an argument because we're talking about human beings and and their right to express and live how they choose but there's not even space to have a dialogue because you know I, I like it, it just doesn't seem like there's space so I'm, I'm curious how you carved that out or or how you navigated beginning these conversations and 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 kept pushing through with this kind of support um for people who obviously need it i mean it, it seems like it's an incredible resource within this area and you know countrywide these 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 resources are invaluable um something i've learned to do is to just be honest when i receive backlash i am not here for a student's parents. I'm not here for their grandparents. I'm not here for their pastor. I'm not here for their teachers. I'm here for them. Um, so if I receive backlash, that's okay. As long as what I'm doing and what Club Q is doing is actually helping the student in any way, then bring it. I mean, <laughs> we can take backlash. We're strong. Sure. I guess I'm just wondering if there is any legislation almost that came up or like anything really prohibitive that you had to come up against. Or was it really just a lot of words that were being flung or, you know, because in order to give support for kids and foster these conversations, you know, um, I guess I just wonder how do you become a liaison between like, okay, here is what the larger community is saying and then here's also a different perspective that 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 can apply to you as well like what is that conversation that you foster for kids so that it helps with their journey and it helps sort of foster this ability to see other options when when they might seem very limited initially are you talking like in Appalachia like being limited having limited resources yeah I guess I'm just wondering like what it what what are the kind of conversations that you come up against because you know I think uh in in Los Angeles you know even in I was in like a um a more liberal part liberal part of Arizona you know there were a lot of resources there were there were many different kinds of people although it wasn't as um diverse as would have been amazing um but there was definitely like I had more awareness and opportunity to seek out communities and people if I wanted to right especially like once I got to university and so um and I didn't come from a pretty conservative religious background and so I'm wondering like what's the conversation with these kids who are stepping outside of the norm of a life that's so rigid with like all around them for the most part students um that i talk to young folks i am working with they don't hate it here oh they are just seeking acceptance from our community from their parents from their teachers from the people around them which is what every person does. Um, Something, most of the time, um, 
they do get that acceptance eventually. Sometimes they don't, and it is hard to come to terms with that. Um, and it's a very hard thing as an educator to navigate working with them through that. Um, my favorite way to communicate with a student is just being there. For like, there's no really conversation. There's nothing that I can say to one of my students whose mom just kicked them out to make them feel any better. Like they're just going to be heartbroken. But what I can do is I can be there and I can give them resources and I can help them any way that I can. But for like specific dialogue, I mean, there's nothing really that. And even in the area that you're a student who is being kicked out because they're gay there's really nothing you can say to make them feel better you can just be there be support right yeah absolutely um yeah so um we were just a little bit interrupted uh you know recording in the modern age is not as simple as it seems uh so i'd love to talk about what resources club q offers and then also get into the period drive as well okay um some of the sources or resources that club q offers is financial resources including um mini grants for students or people who want to do some good in their community um, I personally helped a young person recently fill out a grant, um, a mini grant to put a blessing box in his community. And a blessing box is something, and he had to build it himself and put it together and go buy all the things. And it was just amazing. But it's a box um, that is hand built and you put like hand sanitizer and non-perishable food and hygiene um, products inside of it. And anybody in the community can come and get it when they need. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Um, that's amazing. Um, and so then what is, what's the period drive? Um, is that in conjunction with that or is that different than Club Q? Actually, the period project is for my actual job as a VISTA, um, and I've done that at first just for my students that I worked with on a daily basis, and then once the pandemic started and we started seeing this need for period products throughout the county, we decided to get a larger grant when we were first based off of donations. So um, we had a little over a thousand dollars in donations that we got within like four days. Um, and that was plenty enough for just our students at that specific school. But um, now we have enough money to where we can send several care packages full of hygiene products. Um, we filled them with board games, basketballs, first aid kits, anything that we think the students might need or want during the pandemic. And we have enough to send each student at least two boxes. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. Um, in conjunction with just the, the period efforts, is, is there also an educational component then about talking 
about women's bodies, what periods look like, you know, what the menstrual cycle is, uh, etc. Yeah, um, whenever I first started working inside of schools, I realized that most young people did not know anything about periods. Um, and that is including people who had periods. And mm-hmm. I was talking to students and one student in particular said that it was just a thing that she, her parents never talked to her about. Um, that if she was caught like saying the word period, she would get like reprimanded for it. Um, so that taught me that a lot of wow. people in this area specifically see the word period as like a dirty word um so whenever i decided to do to promote the fundraiser i made it a point to put the word period in everything so which is why it was called the period project little bit of pushback from that but it was hardly any and we had a great like we came out of it port. Um, we had a menstrual equity brunch planned with Planned Parenthood uh, port the period project before COVID-19 came along. Um, but we had a lot of support from local um, legislation. We had a lot of support from the community a lot of support from the schools the students were excited about it too so for the most part it worked out really well oh that's so awesome uh i guess i'm curious because i i definitely understand having a taboo around the word period i suppose it's crazy i when i was in england um right after I graduated, or no, I was in college, and I saw like a sex ed video. It was like on TV, and they had, first of all, they had all of these women, all different types, topless, so you could see like all different kinds of breasts. And then they had a solution where they were like dealing with period blood, like out in the open, you know, in this in amazing demonstrative way and I remember being so taken back by it because it felt like in my education and the way that I was taught to think about periods like it it it, it wasn't I wasn't necessarily taught it was shameful but it was definitely something to be quiet about um so I understand the hesitation around the word I suppose um but just because you said that I'm curious is there other words that are dirty words that are just anatomical like is are there other words that you've come up against that have just created a problem or are people are resistant to specifically um personally when i was growing up i was not allowed to say the word gay um and a lot of people around me were raised the same way we were told that if we said the word gay, we were making fun of somebody. It wasn't out of, like, hatred for that community. It was, like, it was basically, like, if you're not gay, don't say the word gay. Um, The word queer, I never even heard in, like, a good format until I was out of high school, for sure. Um, The word vagina or boob or penis or anything it's just like 
if my grandma could hear me right now, she would roll over in a grave. So, yeah, it's interesting when even anatomically correct, you know, I mean, we could talk about the vulva versus the vaginal canal, et cetera. But like even anatomically correct words that we've somehow demonized or like somehow there has to be privacy even around saying the terms is so insane to me (laughs) truthfully it's just like so bizarre it's like saying my forearm you know like it's like so confusing yeah Appalachia is known for coming up with other words for things that you know so I know one of my friends said that her mom always taught her to call to call her vagina a powder puff. So that's what she grew up saying the entire time. A I powder up, puff. Yes. Powder puff. Puff. There the word so puff for some reason. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's so many different words. So I was told to say two. Like just two. And I was like, okay, well. What's one? I <laughs> know. <laughs> There was no one. There was just no, two. No, no. It's just two. <laughs> I was never allowed to say vagina, vulva, anything. That is so funny to me. I love that. I like that. It's like somebody just calling something B. And then there's yes. no A. And you're like, well, how did we get here? <laughs> Where's the origin? That That's so funny. Um, I... So, so the, then this period initiative, you were saying like, so it does come with, you said education, um, and, and have you seen an impact in the community already? I mean, particularly with the pandemic, I imagine like what a gift you're giving and what a service you're doing for these, for these kids. Um, we have had a few students reach out to us to just thank us for um, their packages. I have personally realized that since I have nonstop been talking about the period project um, in every meeting that I'm at and every school day, every time I go to work, it's just become such a normal word to us. Um, and the students at this point, because they just, they hear me and my colleagues talk about it. And I think the more we talk about it, the more normal it becomes for them. So I think that's the most positive way is impacted the students. Um, and they also have access to period products anytime they need them. Yeah, which which is incredible. And, and God, as a period having person, like that, they can add up. I mean, they can, they're very expensive, uh, potentially depending on what you're using. And if, you know, you're confused and God, yeah, I feel like we don't talk enough about, you know, stains and, and, and having repercussions on, you know, whatever, whatever happens because blood is messy and, and we can't all control it. And so it's nice to have a community. So I think that's really awesome. Um, so I know, and I'm not sure how much um, contact you have with Sexy Sex Ed in this way, but I know that, that they've also been working on um, COVID-19 outreach programs. And one of the ones that, that struck me on the website was that 
they're sending condoms and contraception. And so I didn't know if you were participating in that. But first of all, I think that's amazing. And second, I was wondering if there's backlash for that or like a, 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 a community conversation to make that happen and make it happen in a way that doesn't make everybody lose their minds. Um, I do participate in that. I actually, um, so Sexy Sex Ed will send educators a kit full of contraceptive, um, has condoms, plan B, and just like a resource sheet. Um, and I made a social media post saying, if you need this, let me know. And I got so much backlash for that. I was called a whore. I mean, I was just, I was taken back by that. It was like, cause it was like, why would you have these things if you didn't need them? And sex is just something that apparently nobody does around this place. So right. um, <laughs> yeah, I did get a lot of backlash for that, but the plan B's and condoms of which I had a lot of, was gone within a week I had so many people reach out to me needing yeah so I mean I'll take the backlash if that means that I can help them and I know that I did so and is is there I know you mentioned Planned Parenthood initially um that part might have gotten uh, unfortunately cut off but is there a Planned Parenthood there is there access to these resources in that in that no there isn't no no the closest Planned Parenthood to us is in Charleston, which is almost two hours away. Oh, my God. Okay. So this is like a vital resource in a, des- in a desert of, of sex education and contraceptive resource. Wow. Um, and then, you know, I, I'd love to sort of just wrap up by, you know, you were talking about initially your connection to the region and that initially you didn't feel like it was a part of your community and now with all of the work that you've done and all of the incredible impact that you've had how has it changed your outlook I know you said you you already felt a part of the community with stay but um yeah like I'm just wondering on on your personal journey like how it's impacted you and, and what you're looking to the future to create you know moving forward once I started reaching out to my community to see what they needed, it was acceptance both on both sides. I definitely have butt heads with my family when it comes to politics and um, the things that I work on compared to my family's, you know, um, choice of work and. A few years ago before I started, before I became an organizer, I didn't understand them at all. I didn't know why they would vote for who they voted for. I didn't know why they would do the jobs that they were doing. Um, And since I became an organizer and since I actually put in the time to communicate with my community and actually listen to what they're saying instead of being just non um, understanding about it and I've learned 
that everyone has a reason for what they're doing and for 99% of the time their reason is their family and what I realized is Appalachian people have such a sense of community that I could not imagine any other place having um and that's why I have I've just devoted myself to making Appalachia better for everyone and that doesn't mean just people who are left on I mean people who are on the right people are on the left I want to make it good for everybody um but yeah I definitely have more of a soft spot now for sure and yeah I don't know no no it's 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 wonderful and I, I I think it's it's really inspiring to hear the story of somebody who is is really you know making new strides and paving new ways for people to exist in different regions and and, and to exist peacefully together right like not trying to change anyone's minds but just opening them um and i think that's really awesome and i think i think we need way more of that <laughs> truthfully uh globally but particularly within this country i think that that would help us all um well how can people find you um find the stuff you're doing find sexy sex ed uh what's the best way um sexy sex ed actually launched a website recently so we are at sexy sex ed.org and we are sexy sex ed on instagram and from the website and their instagram page you can find my socials as well okay perfect well i so appreciate your time um and all the work you're doing and 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 thank you for sharing and and figuring out how to do all the the zoom stuff and and making some some awesome um strides to get the video working i am so appreciative of it and it was so lovely chatting with you thank you thank you thank you so much for having me i had a really good time yeah oh boy boy oh boy um, I think one of the things that stuck out, like, has, like, stayed with me from that interview was really when she talked about periods being a dirty word. Um, like, the word period and menstruating. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I keep thinking about that because, like, how just fucking absurd it is. And that it's, you know, there are a lot of organizations that are working to normalize it and to keep saying the word, like she said, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. That's something that's just like really stuck out to me because we recorded this a couple weeks ago and like that just it lingers. Yeah, yeah, one of the things that stuck with me, like having listened to it and worked on it, it was like the at one point you're hearing about the services that they're doing and you ask the question, oh, okay, well, like, are there Planned Parenthood support there too? And it's like, no, we don't have one of those for quite some while if you wanted it. So it, you know, it is that kind of find a hole in this community and they need to be supported. So we're going to do it. And yeah. I, I think that was really cool. Yeah, it's 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 definitely noble work, um, and I feel grateful they were willing to take the time to talk to us. 
Yeah. Um, as always, please follow us on social media at Finding My Young Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We just got a new snazzy logo and we are switching some things up. So stay tuned with social media for behind the scenes and more upcoming exciting little little tidbits. Yeah, you can email us at findingmyyum at gmail.com. Um, you can rate, review, and subscribe uh, to us uh, pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, and you can even share those podcasts with your friends. And right now, Jerry's going to tell you how many friends you should share it with this week. Jerry. You know, I'm, I'm going to go lower because I want you to have like an in-depth conversation with these people. I'm taking the science of well-being at Yale. And they talk about how important it is to connect with people and that that really raises our happiness level. So connect with 33 people. That's good. That's a yeah. good amount of people to have a good, yeah. honest conversation with. Good, honest conversation. Like one every day this month. Yeah. Just make Why sure you not? tell them about this podcast. And then tell them about this podcast. It's an opener. It's yeah. definitely an opener. <laughs> it's true. That is true. Uh, well, we love you and we will be back next week on Thursday. See you there.